0: welcome to Steadfast. I am so glad to be with you tonight. And if you saw the title of this video, you know that you are tuned in to the one secret hack to wisdom. Or maybe not so secret hack. Have you run into those titles? I think we all have. We see those clickbait titles that promise us different forms of wisdom. Maybe it's the 10 secret hacks to, to keeping your house clean, or the seven hacks to having a successful career in whatever form of business you're in or, or, or whatever it might be. We find these things. Maybe it's, it's secrets to memorizing for the test. It, whatever it might be, whatever it could be that we're looking for, we can go on the internet and we'll find these lists promising an easy way to access the wisdom that's going to enable us to succeed. But do we find it in there? Well, you I think the answer is no, we usually don't. We we go to those sites and we start clicking through the list. And Of course, there's one item per page. We have to click next and then we see an ad between each page. And we quickly discover the only one with wisdom in this was the person who realized a way to show us more ads while we basically find nothing of the sort of wisdom that we were hoping for. We keep looking for wisdom saying, I wonder where wisdom is. How can I find wisdom? Where could wisdom where could wisdom be? I know I laid it around here somewhere and we can't find it anywhere. And then we realize, wait a second. Oh, my Bible its right in my hand. I think we've all probably done that too, haven't we? We're we're carrying something around and we forget as we're looking for it that's in our hands or maybe it's a pair of glasses that's on top of your head. That sort of thing. We, we do that. We have what we're looking for right there in front of us. Yet we keep looking everywhere else. We keep scrolling through those lists on the internet and we basically run into this problem that we say we want wisdom. I would imagine, those of you that are watching tonight, if you want to chime in on the chat, does anyone want to chime in, I don't want wisdom, I'd like to avoid wisdom? of course not. We we all would like to have wisdom. And yet we, we have it right here in God's word. God has given it to us. And we keep saying, I wonder... I wonder where wisdom is. Where can I find it? Well, tonight as we pick up in a brand new series that's also an old friend, we're coming back to proverbially speaking our summer series each year since Steadfast started and Little Hills launched in 2020 online during the pandemic. Every summer we've come to the book of Proverbs and explored an aspect of it. This year our series is entitled Wisdom Speaks. and. What we're going to look at, of course, all of the book of Proverbs is about God's wisdom. In fact, God's word is about his wisdom, but Proverbs is a book of wisdom. But in particular, we find in that book of Proverbs a person described, a character, as it were. Sometimes we call her Lady Wisdom. And that character that we encounter is a representation of God's wisdom, I believe there's a very important reason God wants us to start thinking in terms of this person when we think about wisdom. So let's go ahead and come before him, ask that he would guide us, and then we'll dig into that one not-so-secret hack to wisdom. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your wisdom that you give to us. Thank you for your spirit that applies that wisdom to our lives. Thank you for your son that that redeems us and calls us into your family so that we are those who have access to that wisdom. Lord, would you guide us tonight as we think about wisdom, as we return to the book of Proverbs for another adventure in proverbially speaking? Lord, as we look at your word tonight, would you help us to see where we are missing the point of your wisdom and then be drawn closer to you and to your wisdom Through that study, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and dig right in. We're going to start at the beginning of the book of Proverbs, chapter 1. If you want to turn there or it'll be up on screen, and then we will jump in starting at verse 20. Verse 20 introduces us to Lady Wisdom. It says that, Wisdom cries aloud in the street, in the markets she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street she cries out, at the entrance of the city gates she speaks. What are we encountering here? Well, we're encountering someone who is crying out, we're told, someone who is speaking out. That's why the series is entitled What It Is. And of course, then as now, there are lots of things crying out, vying for our attention. You notice probably at the beginning, our opening video, it's very jumbled. There's arrows pointing different directions and things moving in different ways, much like we feel like we are today. There's things pulling at us constantly. And sometimes it feels like in the midst of all that, the reason we want to go online and find that, that 10 easy hacks sort of article is because it feels like God's wisdom is relatively inaccessible. Maybe it's something that the only academics can study after years in the ivory tower. Maybe it's something for, for special people admitted to an elite form of wisdom. We think these things, and yet here in the book of Proverbs, God wants to make it very clear that's not the case at all. Instead, when we encounter Lady Wisdom, where do we encounter her at? We encounter her at the gate. We encounter her at the street corner. We encounter her in the marketplace. In other words, the places you and I go every single day in life. Take out those ancient pictures and and plug in Lady Wisdom speaks at the office water cooler. Lady Wisdom speaks on TikTok. Lady Wisdom is walking by the school. These are the places that Lady Wisdom is today. Wherever you might be on your daily path through life, that's where we expect to encounter her. She's not far away. God's wisdom is right there in the midst of our lives. And that's the key thing here. Wisdom isn't something where it goes on and says, Lady Wisdom was announced. She's up at the top of a mountain in a faraway land. Prepare a journey and go and find Lady Wisdom. It says, Where you go to work today, where you go to school today, where you go and hang out after work, that's where Lady Wisdom is. She's right there. She's not an elitist, and she's not there for special people admitted to a special secret society. It's not some kind of conspiracy that only certain people have figured out. Anyone who really wants to hear God's wisdom can encounter. Anyone who seeks after the Lord will find his wisdom right here in his word. And so what we're encouraged to do is be those who seek after him, seek after his word and seek after his wisdom and to do that in a wise way. Jim and I were talking a few weeks ago about people talking about how you prepare a sermon. And sometimes, especially if you've never prepared a sermon or a devotional, it may feel a bit mysterious. How does this whole process happen? And of course, People go through many years of training to prepare at times, to prepare sermons. Other people go through shorter periods of time. But it may feel very inaccessible if you've never done it. And maybe even leading a Bible study feels very inaccessible. And so then you think, well, am I even qualified to open up the Bible and read it for myself? But here's something. This is what reminded me of Jim's and my conversation. We were talking after church one night about preparing sermons and, and... we both have a great appreciation for many of the commentaries out there. Anyone can go and buy a biblical commentary and biblical commentaries written by human beings are are not perfect. They're not infallible. They sometimes get things wrong. Like all of us do. They're in, they're commenting on God's infallible word. They are not God's word. And yet what's the marvelous thing that we have today that's so accessible to all of us. We can go to a library, we can go to a bookstore, we can go online, and we can find reliable resources that help us to study God's word. It doesn't have to be something that's mystical and distant, and and only certain people are qualified to do it. Everyone can come, and as a blessing, as God works through his people, not only do we have his word, but we have those teachers, whether they're writing books or or leading studies or or preaching, that that are helping us to engage in God's word. So all of us then can come to it. All of us can be students of God's word. All of us can be those who then help to share God's word with others. And, and the reason Jim and I were talking about commentaries is some people think that, well, if you go and you use someone else's resource, if you go and open up commentary, you're not doing it right. You need to just have enough wisdom inside yourself that you open up God's word and immediately understand everything. Here's the the thing though, there are only two types of people when it comes to people opening up God's word. There are those who realize that we don't in ourselves have the capacity to understand everything in it by ourselves, and we can seek after wisdom through books and through people and through the body of Christ together and through the Holy Spirit working in us and those people who think they have it all figured out. People who think they have it all figured out don't. So. There's no shame in in going and finding resources and using those to tap into God's wisdom. It's not meant to be elite. It's not distant. Everybody can do it. And here is the thing that we realize when we start to contemplate that. All those times that we go and we start reading those hack lists, all those times that we go and get self-help book rather than turning to God's word and, and resources that would help us to understand God's word... We could be coming to God's word, and we could be exploring it, and you and I both are called to do that. It's not just the pastor's job to come to God's word. It's not a certain spiritually mature group of people who have had a certain number of years under the teaching of somebody that can do it. Everybody should be coming into God's word, and sometimes we're going to struggle. Sometimes we're not going to get everything, but we will get enough, and God will use that time in his word we're going to absorb viewpoints somewhere, whether we're digging into God's word and trying to wrestle with it. And maybe you hit a passage that doesn't make sense, then you hit another passage, then that one is very clear to you and you need to spend some more time before you get back to the other passage. There are going to be those times, but we can either do that or we can be absorbing wisdom from the world. When we go and look elsewhere, we're still absorbing quote unquote wisdom. It's the question, am I choosing God's wisdom? What wisdom am I actually choosing? Because you may say, well, I feel kind of intimidated. I I started reading through God's Word. I, I read up through Leviticus in my daily Bible reading plan. I start every year, and I get to Leviticus, and I stop because I have no idea what to make sense of all these rituals going on, and I just stop. Well, it's okay to have the wisdom to know, as Socrates said, what we don't know. It's okay to... Hit something in the Bible and say I'm not I'm not sure how to make sense of this right now. Move on. Go on to the next part of God's word. Keep digging into it. Because the alternative is we say, well, I can't know that, but maybe I'll go and I'll, I'll I'll just listen to other people. I can't come to God's word even with other people's help. I'll just go and and other people can tell me what wisdom is, and I'll just go with that. That's often how we get off track, not because we're using resources or using wise teachers or or helping each other to understand God's word, but because we release the process of actually going to God's word ourselves in the midst of that, and we don't even realize we're getting off track. Sometimes it's people that sound like they're digging into God's word but aren't, and sometimes it's people that just have no regard to God's word at all, but we're using them as wisdom substitutes. Sometimes we talk about folk wisdom. In this case, what we're worried about is faux wisdom. Wisdom that appears to be wisdom, but actually isn't. And we end up ignoring lady wisdom that's calling out not just to the elite, not just to, to certain special people, but to all of us. We end up missing her call because faux wisdom says, that wisdom over there from God is too complicated, it's too old, it's too outdated, it's too, too much for somebody else. But this wisdom over here, We can hang on to that instead and it'll make more sense. Take a look at verse 22. Uh, That's not the verse 22 you want to look at, so we're going to just move on. That's actually from last year. So you're saying, well, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, That was all planned, right? No, not quite. But if we turn to, to verse 22 of Proverbs chapter one, we read this, how long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. What do we hear here? We have two choices. We can be those who fall into the camp of, of different classes of what the, the Proverbs call a fool. Those who, who seek after wisdom outside of God's word. Or we can be those who learn together God's word. We need to to seek to, to grow in God's word. That's the first step to wisdom is realizing we need to learn things. It, it goes back to that quote I just referenced from Socrates that we know what we don't know. We realize, all of us should realize, we're not really particularly wise. We have a lot that we could learn. So we seek it. We seek it by reading God's word. We seek it by by going to those who can help us to understand God's word. And as we do that, then we recycle back and we come back to God's word again and we check the advice that we seek. There's the key thing. Too often Christians today give up on reading God's word directly. And they say, okay, maybe I do need outside advice. And so they say, well, you said that I should use commentaries and listen to good teachers and so on. So I went and did that. And then it becomes a full stop, and they don't come back to God's word. What we see as the godly example is what we find in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, where we're told about the Bereans. And it's just a short little thing, but it says this. It says that the Bereans were noble. And why were they noble? Well, these Bereans were noble because after the apostle Paul, of all people, preached to them each day. They went and they opened up their bibles and they tried to see if what Paul was saying was biblically sound. You see Paul was bringing commentary to them. He was explaining how the scriptures were fulfilled in Jesus. They they're looking at the Old Testament scriptures. They may not have understood that. They may have said, "Well, there's these things about a Messiah. I'm not quite sure how they fit." Paul was bringing a help to them. He was assisting them to understand God's wisdom but they weren't content to leave it at that. They wanted to make sure they stayed on the right track. And so they took what Paul explained and they went back to the scriptures and they checked to make sure that what Paul was saying was true. That's what each of us should do. If we're not doing that, if we're either just avoiding God's word or we're avoiding going back to it and we're just allowing others to to instruct us and lead us wherever they wish, we're going to fall into one of three classes of people that Lady Wisdom describes here. And the first one she addresses is, is this: is someone she calls the simple, the simple ones. How long will you love being simple? What does she mean by simple? You might say, well, I kinda like being simple. Isn't it good to delight in simple things? And, and to, to not always make everything so complicated. I, I, Tim, are you, are you saying that what she is arguing here is that we should all be convoluted theologians that write massive tomes that no one can understand? No. Should we be coming up with these Byzantine conspiracy theories that somehow construct a picture that explains everything in the universe in a way that no one else will ever be able to assemble in the same way? No, that's not what she means by simple here. What she means by simple here is someone who has no desire to keep being filled by God's wisdom, a naive person who wishes to remain naive. I like how Derek Kidner phrases, uh, describes this person. He says that a simple man is one who is empty-headed and someone who is empty-headed will end up wrong-headed. Because here's the thing, we can't keep our heads empty. We aren't designed to do that. We will fill them with something. And if we say, I'm just not going to bother getting into the details of God's word. I'm going to find a few of those simple life hack articles and read those and get enough just to stumble along and that will be enough. What we're doing is we're not actually obtaining any kind of wisdom. And when we fail to obtain wisdom, we're going to believe whatever waves come tossing us to and fro. That's exactly what we read in Proverbs fourteen fifteen, where it says, the simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. We see with the Bereans that I referenced earlier, they were prudent. They, they weren't ready to believe everything. They were ready to hear wisdom. They were not assuming like, for example, the Pharisees, that they knew everything already. That They were willing to hear that maybe this Jesus that Paul was talking about really did fulfill the scriptures. They were open to the idea, but they were going to actually come back to what they knew was true and see if it fit into the scriptures. That's what we're called to do every single day. If, if we're going to listen to biblical teachers, including if you're listening to me tonight as we're doing this and, and you're saying, well, How would you like it if I did that to you? I would love it if you did that to me. Check what I'm saying tonight. Go and look at God's word. It's exactly what we all should do. It's what we're called to do. And if you're brand new to God's word, yes, it's going to be a little overwhelming at first, but that's okay. In fact, if you're not new to God's word, it's often overwhelming because there's so much here. This is a very large collection of of letters and books that have God's wisdom, and it's describing the wisdom of God, so of course it's going to stretch us, and at times we're not going to be able to get our head fully around it in the moment. But God honors us going into it and seeking his wisdom. And we don't do it on our own. We do it, of course, with the body of Christ. That's what we've been talking about. We do it with his spirit in us. If you ask God, lead me as I'm looking at your word. Help me to understand it. It doesn't mean that you're immediately going to get everything right everything correct the first time whatever is the first thought that comes through your head every time you read a verse is the right thought it doesn't mean that but what it does mean is he's going to work in you both directly as you read it and also as he brings people into your lives to help you and to help me to better understand his word now the simple are, are sort of the extreme those who say I'm just not even going to bother and so they're, they're trying and in, in some sense, they, they feel like they're maybe even a little superior in this because they're superior in refusing the complexity of actually understanding things. But there's another class of people, the fool, and the fool shows up a lot in scripture. And the fool is someone just a little bit more advanced than Mr. Simple. The Mr. Fool is still someone who takes stuff in uncritically but he thinks he's wise. He thinks he's bringing in wisdom. He's reading all those hack articles on how to live his life uh, as efficiently as possible. And now he thinks that he is a veritable resource of wisdom. He doesn't know how to actually analyze the things he's taking in. He doesn't know when he reads something and it's completely bogus or it's a terrible idea that it's bogus because he's not trying to check it. He just takes it in. And then he pours it right back out at other people take a look at proverbs 13 16 it says every prudent man acts with knowledge but a fool flaunts his folly when we run into someone who presents himself for herself as deeply wise but just keeps pouring out whatever he or she has encountered and thought sound interesting that's the biblical picture of the fool The biblical picture of the fool doesn't really have a need for God at all because he or she's got it all figured out already. Except he or she doesn't, not really. And the danger in becoming a biblical fool is that that fool goes further and further away from God, maybe to the point where, as we're told in scripture, the fool says in his heart, there is no God because the fool thinks he has it all figured out. And that fool can easily turn then into this third category that Lady Wisdom refers to, and that's the scoffer. How long, she asks, will the scoffer delight in their scoffing? And the scoffer is essentially a fool amped up, a fool on steroids who is out there convinced that he or she has a ton of wisdom and perfectly willing to tip over everything in his or her way to explain what, what this scoffer thinks is right. Proverbs 22.10, drive out a scoffer and strife will go out and quarreling and abuse will cease. When we encounter people who think that they can express their wisdom, their insight, their usefulness to humanity by insulting people, by by being rude, by being crude, by by not caring what they do to the people around them, that you look around them and there's a there's just human wreckage all over the place as they spew bodies, whether literally at times or often figuratively as they, they just hurl insults and destroy lives and they don't care. And we see people who seem to bring wise advisors in and then toss them out as soon as that, that wise advisor doesn't fit the person's mindset because all they really care about is self-validation. We see this progression. It's it's essentially still the same problem that the simple person had. Only this person now is so sure he or she has it figured out that not only does this person inflict great harm on his or herself, but on everyone else around. Mr. Scoffer is the greatest danger of the three. But all three are dangerous. All three are destructive. And all three lead us away from the life-giving wisdom of God and yet there's something very appealing about it. I think our our culture has actually come to a point of idolizing the scoffer. We love scoffers. We find the scoffers that play into our own vantage point, whether we're kind of falling more into the camp of the simple or the foolish or a scoffer ourselves. Each of us, even fellow believers, even as the Holy Spirit's working, as we still have sin in our lives, we at times reflect one of these three, and we find other scoffers that validate our opinions, and we're kind of glad that they're out there crushing the people that we disagree with. There's a very dark appeal to these people. But while they offer alleged solutions, it's that faux wisdom, and it will disappoint. In God's word, though, we find something different. Take a look at James chapter 1, verse 5. What does James say if we want to understand things? We don't turn to the scoffer, the simpleton, or the fool. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no one, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. James says, you don't need to go on Google and, and, and type in Give me life hacks for whatever problem I'm having. We don't need to find the the person we think is the guru on Twitter that explains life and 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 makes sure to oppose the people we dislike. We don't need someone to self-assuredly tell us that he or she has everything figured out. We have one who has everything figured out. It's the not so secret hack to wisdom. We come to the one who created it, the one who made it. We don't find someone who claims to be wise, we find the only one who truly is wise and we come to him. And that's what James is describing here. He says, if you feel like you lack wisdom in an area and, and all of us do, all of us should feel like we lack wisdom in an area. What do we do? We, we come to our God and we ask him, help me to better understand. We pray that God would bring wise counsel into our lives. And we pray that God would help us as we come to his word and study it. And as we do that, we do that, God works in our lives. Now you say, though, James goes on and talks about this issue with doubt, and sometimes I doubt that God can ever make me wise, that God's ever going to help me to understand. Does that mean that I'm not eligible for wisdom? Well, the doubt being described there, I believe, is really a parallel to what Lady Wisdom is is describing as the, the simple, the fool, and the scoffer. It's not just a normal kind of doubt like you wonder, well, how can God use me? It's a doubt in the sense that we doubt that we really need God. We doubt that God can actually pour wisdom in our lives. What James is concerned with here, if you look at the the overall context of that passage, if we go back to what he starts with in chapter 1 about having faith in our God, what James is talking about, there's the same thing Lady Wisdom is, which is that we should turn from the scoffing and the foolishness and the 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 naivete of the simple person. We should turn from those things, those defaults we go to. Again, this is describing all of us and our natural inclinations. We should turn from those things... And we should put our trust in the only one who is wise. And when we do that, God honors our prayers. God honors our requests. He may not make us the utter genius of Proverbs or the utter genius on the book of Leviticus. I'm not promising that if you just come to God and say, help me to understand every detail about temple sacrifice so I can be the person that finally can explain exactly why this little detail about the tabernacle is in the Bible right now. He's not necessarily going to do that. He, he leaves some things to mystery and some things to those who spend their life on that particular topic. That's true, but he will give us wisdom to live in accordance to his will. And that's what true biblical wisdom is. It's not how many surveys and, and quizzes can you complete. It's not what kind of percentage would you score on a Bible, Bible literacy test. That knowledge is good but true wisdom is knowing that we depend on God. True wisdom is coming to God and coming to his people and studying his word together and constantly returning to God's word and checking the things we hear and growing and growing and growing. And we won't get there fully in this lifetime, but the wisdom is in the process. The wisdom is in God's spirit working in us. We need the right foundation. We can't just go and say, I want to be wise and, and pile up all kinds of knowledge, whether it's just pop knowledge like we find on the internet or, or, or deeply scholarly knowledge. We can't just pile that up in our lives and expect to be wise. The way we become wise is we have the right foundation and that's God himself. And And we're told here in Proverbs chapter one that the lady wisdom, God's wisdom is accessible to all of us. She's calling out to us. It's an invitation for us to turn to that wisdom. And and may all of us do that, whether we're brand new to Christianity, we don't really know much about the Bible, or whether we're very much used to it. We know exactly how to get around church and how to flip through the Bible and find the passages, and, and yet sometimes we get trapped in our own heads and we go right back to being the scoffer or the fool. I read that last year was the 500th anniversary of the Luther Bible, the the amazing revolutionary translation of the bible into german that martin luther put together that made the bible accessible for the first time to many germans very much equivalent in some uh, for in our english-speaking mindset of the king james bible a bible that that opened the door to knowledge of the bible for normal everyday lay people that hadn't studied ancient languages 500th anniversary and, and On that 500th anniversary, the the Luther Bible was once again on the bestseller list in Germany. Maybe you want to get really excited about that, and part of me really would like to, but, but here's the sad truth. As researchers have looked into these sales, it doesn't seem like people were rushing to go and actually be changed by God's word. It was a collectible, a historical marker. Much like the King James Bible, the Luther Bible deeply influenced the language and culture of Germany. And so many people went and bought a Luther Bible because it seemed so like such a a landmark occasion on the 500th anniversary. But they weren't planning to actually open it and learn from it. Apparently, 70% of Germans have never or maybe they've read the Bible in the past, but they never read the Bible. Only 4% read it daily, and I'm pretty certain we'd be pretty depressed if we looked at Americans, too. It'd be a very small number, maybe a little better than that, but still way, way, way too low. We need to actually come into God's Word. If we try to collect knowledge and we don't have the foundation of God and His Word, if the Spirit isn't working in us We and we just have that That Bible on either our physical bookshelf or even our mental bookshelf where we're just collecting data about it and we're not allowing God to apply it to our lives. We're not saying, God, help me see where I'm scoffing. Help me see where I'm being foolish. Help me to see where I've just emptied my brain and I'm letting the world fill it. We're not actually hearing Lady Wisdom's call and saying, please fill me. We're going to be sorely disappointed in the wisdom of our lives. We each need to ask the question, what is my wisdom foundation? What is your wisdom foundation? What is my wisdom foundation? Is it God and his word? Is it the spirit applying the truth of his word to my life? Or is it people who are angry that, that claim to be authorities? Is it the worldly wisdom that says, here's the easy way to get to where I need to be? Is it maybe even having some impressive trivia knowledge of the Bible but not actually having God's Spirit apply it in our lives. May we pray tonight that God would take those places where, where the, the library of our hearts has cobwebs over the sections that the Bible should be in, and that he would clear those out and place his word in there instead, That his Spirit would guide us. Because here's the thing we know. When we come to God and ask for his wisdom, he's happy to provide it, and he will provide it. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we come to you as those who need wisdom. We don't have everything down. We don't have a lot of things down. And too often, we think we have things down and we don't. Would you help us to flee the scoffer that just angrily leaves awake a a, a mess in in the world because he or she claims to know things and, and doesn't bother to actually be changed by you and your spirit. Too often, we chase after these people because it looks like they're somehow championing a part of your truth in fact, they're just distorting it. Would you help us to, to flee the fool that claims to have all kinds of knowledge, but is just pouring out things uncritically without consulting your word and allowing that word to, to correct us? And would you help us to flee the lure of simply being simple and thinking, well, maybe if I just don't know anything, I'll be okay. Lord, we need your wisdom. We can't do it on our own. But we ask that you, through your Spirit that you would guide us. And we know whether this is the first time someone's listening tonight and ask that, or we're here before you again, and it seems like you should almost be frustrated with us, that you should be frustrated with us, because we keep asking for wisdom and then missing it. And we keep asking for wisdom and then not listening to it. Lord, would you draw us closer to your wisdom? Would you help us to hear that call from Lady Wisdom calling out, right in the middle of our lives saying come and hear wisdom that changes your life and my life lord would you help us to hear the call of your wisdom and to be changed by it we pray in jesus name amen well i hope this was an encouragement to you tonight and if it was i would so be so 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 grateful if you would share this video Here's how we get this out. There, there's lots of people and lots of things competing for people's attention online. Lots of things claiming to be wise online. Lots of those life hacks online. Share this instead. Help someone to think, oh, maybe I should dig into God's word because that's my prayer. I know that's the prayer of everyone at Little Hills. That we're we're not putting this out so people can close their Bible and say, okay, now this is all solved. Oh, I don't really need this. I've listened to Steadfast, but rather that this. V- series every week would encourage us to open up god's word and to learn more about the wisdom that we find in every page of it if you have any questions any prayer requests feel free to text 833-356-4032 it's right on the bottom of your screen i'd love to hear from you you can also leave a prayer request or comment in the comments below and we can wrestle with it together or pray for each other together that's always a joy And then please plan to come back next week. We're going to pick back up. There's lots to explore about Lady Wisdom. And next week, we're going to hear more about how she is ready and willing to help to take us from foolishness right into the place of God's wisdom. So I hope to see you next week. And in the meantime, I hope you have a wonderful and blessed week.